You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey. How are you? I'm feeling good. Yeah? Feeling good, yeah. We had a nice... uh, little getaway we were working but we've we've been doing some hiking and uh i don't know it always feels nice to get out in nature but also up high we've seen some great views yeah with the with the colors changing here in southern ontario too the views last weekend on that hike were pretty spectacular yeah so if folks know know the region we're we're in toronto and we headed out toward toward niagara and grimsby has this beautiful hike that's it's not particularly hard but you get a great view of the lake and the, the Niagara Escarpment, and it's all changing colors. And I'm super excited for the fall because I'm not usually here in the fall. Normally, I'd, I'm traveling. In fact, I was supposed to be in India right now and Southeast, the rest of Southeast Asia. But I'm excited to be here because I never get to see the fall colors. So I'm hoping that we get out again this coming weekend. If folks know any really fabulous hikes, if you look on my Instagram, you'll see like the list of hikes we've been doing. But if you know any more, I totally want to hear about them. Yeah, definitely need some more hikes with great views for the uh, fall colors. Yeah, and some real climbs because a lot of the hikes in southern Ontario, like we don't yeah. really have mountain mountains. <laughs> the last hike, it's 70 vertical meters. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still huffing and puffing. Yeah. Every time we go hiking, I'm huffing and puffing and I feel like you're just humming along. That's just because I'm sucking wind behind the scenes. Every time you look away, I'm taking Uh, a deep breath. That's the trick. You you breathe through your behind? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so, sure. You didn't like that one, did you? Yeah, it kind of put me on the spot. I didn't know how to respond. Respond. Uh, You know, today we are going to be answering some of your questions with an OBGYN, Dr. Nicole E. Williams. And we are excited to introduce a new partner and podcast sponsor, Cleovana and Cleovana has developed a non-invasive technology to intensify and increase the frequency of orgasm. And what they use is sound waves to stimulate the growth of new blood vessels and nerve endings. And this results in increased sensitivity and responsiveness. So I'm looking forward to both having some questions answered and learning a little bit more about this. And if you're interested, you can learn more at cleovana.com or you can call one 583 5134. Joining us today is Dr. Nicole E. Williams, the founder and CEO of the Gynecology Institute of Chicago. Uh, She specializes in minimally invasive gynecological surgery and women's health, and she has worked all over traveling to the Dominican Republic, to Haiti, Rwanda, Cambodia, the Philippines, Mexico, Ghana, I'm sure I'm missing some because she's got quite the resume, uh, to perform necessary gynecological surgery. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Williams. Thank you for joining us. It is such a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Jess. Now, you have a, a long and prestigious resume. It's a mouthful. I have to ask, did you always know you wanted to grow up to be a doctor? You know, I either was going to do that, uh, be an airline pilot, or um, what was that other thing I was interested in? Or, you know, be a Broadway singer and dancer. So I think I, I picked the best of the three. <laughs> and I think we're lucky to have you. I, I realize you do, you do work with uh, heavy menstrual periods, with fibroids, with sexual dysfunction, menopause, bioidentical hormone therapy, incontinence. And I think 
many of these experiences or diagnoses have been relegated to the sidelines. You know, uh, many of these issues for folks with with vulvas, they have kind of a history of being ignored or discounted. Uh, I'm curious how you found yourself studying and working with these types of issues like fibroids and incontinence. You know, it's a little bit, thanks for asking that, Dr. Jess. You know, it's a little bit of a roundabout kind of way because I believe that it was a personal experience. Now, I, I have, I do have a fibroid. It's not that bad, but for somebody like myself, African American woman, and being having my symptoms when I was a medical student completely downplayed, and especially in the specialty of OB/GYN, most of the attention is paid toward the OB portion, not toward mm. the gyn portion. Because, hate to say it, baby money is good money. <laughs> I don't get any of that. And, you know, I make significantly less, you know, but it, that's, that's not an issue for me. The issue is so many of my patients, when they come to me and we're talking about these things, are like, this is the first time anybody ever actually listened to my concerns. Because a lot of docs, they don't have as much time. And I do have that kind of time because I don't have to run and go and perform a delivery or a C-section or anything in the middle of my day. So I, I have the time and I actually take the time because these patients are really, their health is very important because when a woman is healthy, the community is healthy. That's such an important piece. And, uh, you know, periods with half of the world getting them at some point and f- fibroids, I mean, uh, high incidence of fibroids. It is, it's such a shame we don't talk about them. And I receive so many questions about these topics. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you would be willing to answer a few for our listeners right now. Absolutely. Okay, so the first person writes in and says, I get really heavy periods, but I also find that my libido spikes when I'm on my period. So are there any risks to having sex on my period? And how do I get over the idea that it's gross to do it during my time of the month? Oh, well, that's a really wonderful question. First of all, understand that the menstrual period is just blood and tissue that you do not need. So it's not that it is gross or anything like this. It's just not necessary anymore. So your body built it. There's no baby in there, not needed. Your body's just kind of releasing that and allowing you to continue on your next cycle. That's how I tell my patients to envision what menstruation is. Secondarily, just put a towel down (laughs) and have at it. I believe that if you are feeling your most lascivious during your menstrual cycle, you should harness that and enjoy it. I love it. I love it. I know, for example, I'm not necessarily more in the mood while I'm on my period, but I I feel more desire to be close, close to you, Brandon, like to just, I don't know, feel your touch. I feel a little bit more needy, actually, which is a hard word for, I think, someone like me to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. You, you tend to, sometimes you also just want me to take care of things. <laughs> yeah. Or perhaps you just want to take care of things yourself. But I'm yeah. just saying, <laughs> it kind of depends on the day. So I really appreciate you uh, putting it people at ease that, you know, if you're into it while you're in your period, go ahead and do it. And I've mentioned before some of these sex blankets that are on the market that allow nothing to drip through them. They're made of fleece. So there's there's one called the No More Wet Spot, but there are other brands on the market as well that people can check out. 
Summer wet spa, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I actually work, uh, or used to, back in the normal days, sometimes I'd speak at these trade shows, and they would make this blanket into the base of a fountain and run water, like a fountain, through it the whole time, and not a drop would go through the entire weekend. So wow. you're... Yeah, so your period um, fluids will not go through there. So that's so reassuring. Now I have a few other questions from folks. This one's a bit longer. So this says, I have fibroids and my bleeding is so heavy that I've leaked through onto chairs in meetings, bled onto the pew in church, and often stay home because it's painful. My doctor basically told me it was in my head. It took three other doctors to finally get a diagnosis. I know you've heard this so many times, Dr. Williams. Um, Now, sorry to go back to the question. Now I'm working through my options, but it has really taken a toll on my relationship, especially our sex life. How can I even begin to get my sexual groove back? Oh, that's a hard one. So I'm glad that we're going to address this. Now, if she's already if she's still weighing treatment options she should know that there are medications out there on the market that her doctor could recommend to her to curtail her heavy periods that are, that is actually non-hormonal so it's called tranexamic acid she could try that while she's still kind of figuring out what she wants to do about her fibroids now when it comes to options if she hasn't done anything already, there's a few I can just kind of run through very briefly. Please. The first one is uterine artery embolization. That's a non-invasive, a minimally invasive procedure where they actually cut off the blood supply to the uterus and that shrinks down the fibroids. The second one is radiofrequency fibroid ablation. That's an outpatient surgery too, where we shrink the fibroids. And then more invasive, of course, include a myomectomy, meaning it's a cut on the belly where you remove the fibroids. And then of course, the most extreme is a hysterectomy where you actually do remove the uterus entirely. Now, when it comes to the sex life and bleeding, if you're not feeling your best, especially what if you're anemic, you don't have the energy to have sex. So what I would advise her, and I'm glad that she kept on going to different doctors, is find a doctor who's going to hear you, who's going to image you, who's going to do something about these fibroids, because really, if that's really your hindrance, we really want you to get ahead of that, so then you can get your sex groove back. I'm, I'm, thank you for that. Thanks for running down the options. I'm curious about the, the medication that reduces the flow of, of the menstrual fluid. How does, do you know how that works or what that entails? It's, it's, again, it's called tranexamic acid. It was originally given to um, for hemophilia and uh, bleeding disorders. So it actually interferes with what is called the clotting cascade. So we know when your period ah. comes off, the little blood the little blood vessels that are left over have to close themselves off and they literally have to clot off in order for you to stop bleeding. That's how that medication works. It promotes all these little blood vessels to close so you stop bleeding. Interesting. So is that ever indicated for patients with, uh, for example, polyps who have heavy bleeding or just fibroids? Yes. In fact, um, we give it for polyps and just general heavy periods without fibroids. It's actually over the counter in Europe. Okay, awesome. Now, you you mentioned hysterectomy as kind of a final and most invasive option. And, you know, we've all heard stories from people whose doctors go straight to hysterectomy without considering all these other potential approaches. Again, kind of dismissing women's (laughs) overall quality of life. Um, And so this person actually wrote in about their hysterectomy. So this person says, since my hysterectomy, I've lost interest in sex. I can get myself in the mood with your 
arousal first desire approach. So that's, you know, I talk about the fact that desire doesn't always occur spontaneously. It's not really my approach, but so I can get myself in the mood. But once I'm there, I have trouble getting to orgasm since the hysterectomy. Any tips or pointers? Oh, yes. Um, I have a lot of patients, not a lot, I get a handful of patients who do suffer from, you know, lack of proper sexual function after hysterectomy. Now, it could be immediately after the surgery, like if you're just trying to get back to sex, that might be an issue. I think a lot of times patients after their hysterectomies are afraid, like after you've had a baby, many women are afraid to have sex for those first few times after they've had the baby, either whether it's a C-section or a vaginal birth. That could be an issue, like, oh, is it gonna hurt? You know, those kind of things. Then secondarily, if they've had a hysterectomy and the ovaries were removed, then you're not, mm-hmm. then you're missing some of those vital hormones that are going, especially because estrogen and testosterone walk hand in hand, you're missing that vital testosterone. It's really gonna help with the libido. So those are a couple of the things I'm just trying to think about like right off the top of my head that could be the reasons behind that. And then also know that once the uterus is gone, that is not, and even if the ovaries were left, the lack of the uterus is not the seat of your sexuality. Women think that, you know, because the uterus is gone, they're no, not, they're, they, they don't feel as sexy. They're not as, they don't feel as feminine. But I want all of my patients to understand the uterus is gone. It's just a vessel. The ovaries are where everything is at and the clitoris is where everything is at. So just enjoy not having a uterus because then you're not bleeding. Well, I've never even really used my uterus. It uses me every month, but (laughs) I haven't put it to the use that I think, you know, my parents were hoping I might put it to. Um, all right. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And another, and I'm just powering through these because I'm so happy to have you here. This person wants to know, um, okay, so they've been tested for STIs. They have a clean bill of health, no UTIs, normal levels of stress, etc. But they have burning after they have an orgasm just for five to 10 minutes. And they're asking, is this common? And can you explain why I have this burning after orgasm? I'll say, so it's, it's not common. It's called dysorgasmia. It's not common, but we know it happens. And one of the prevailing theories on how that happens, and we do know this happens at orgasm, is you release oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is released a couple different ways. It's released when you breastfeed to promote closeness. And so oxytocin at orgasm is to promote closeness between you and your uh, sex partner. But it also, we give oxytocin, and your body makes oxytocin when you're going into labor. And that can also actually cause some pain and cramping. So that might be the reason. Now, generally, we just kind of recognize what this is and recognize that it's short-lived and it goes away. And that shouldn't be a hindrance to your seeking orgasm. That's such an interesting perspective because we always talk about oxytocin as like, you know, the pleasure hormone and having this palliative effect. But of course, there are all the different shades to any experience. Yeah, it does promote closeness and bonding, but we give it during labor to, to, um, we give it to induce labor too because it causes cramping. Interesting. Okay. Now, so just that I, so that I understand, can it also alleviate the pain of cramping or is, is that not so? No, that's, that's, it, it might lessen the sensation because that's, ah. the, that's interesting how oxytocin works. So, you know, you want to deliver your baby and then when you're breastfeeding, you want to remain close to your baby. So there's cramping that you'll feel, 
but it's, it wouldn't, it's not as intense, and that's also a nice side effect of oxytocin. Okay. I love this conversation, and I'm, I'm so happy we're talking about sexual wellness because I think that, you know, oftentimes the sex part uh, is discounted in medical research and in practice, and there's so many reasons why that I'm sure you know better than I do, whether it's a lack of training for some folks, a lack of comfort among practitioners, but now, you know, more patients and more healthcare practitioners like you are really speaking up and emphasizing that sexual wellness needs to be a big part of the conversation. Uh, and so I just want to ask, yeah, so why? Why does sexual wellness and pleasure matter so much? Sexual wellness and pleasure are directly tied to overall health and wellness. So we know that people who are having happier sex lives, whether it's same sex, self-sex, or heterosexual sex, they have a, their, low, their blood pressure is lower, they don't get sick as often. Cardiac health, which we know is so key when it comes especially even to women's health, is much more improved. You sleep better, your self-esteem is just more elevated. So the sexual health is completely tied to overall health in so many different ways. And it needs to be a part of just our everyday conversations. Are you noticing that physicians are better equipped to discuss sexual wellness and sexual health? Are you seeing that like with, you know, younger graduates or with, or with more experienced folks seeking out training or is it, is it still a divide in the medical community? I think it's a little bit of all of those things, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. So the younger uh, residents and new graduate physicians are understanding the importance of sexual wellness and they're seeking training on their own. Because remember, our, our medical system and the system of training is archaic. It came about in the 1830s when the residency program originated. So it's very hierarchical. But now it's becoming a lot more collaborative. And the younger docs are saying, hey, you know what? We want to learn about these things. And they're seeking this out. I mean, I was a younger doc once upon a time. And I received <laughs> very little training about sexual health and sexual wellness because we were so concerned with, okay, here, let's get the baby out then how did how did the baby get there in the first place <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't the stork and you know when we say sexual wellness sometimes what's left out of that conversation is pleasure itself and so um the good folks at cleavana sent you here to you know share your knowledge on a range of topics so i definitely want to talk about pleasure and orgasm because it's not just a matter of having sex it's ensuring that sex is fulfilling. And for so many people, part of that fulfillment is having an orgasm. But so many folks, especially folks with clitorises, aren't having orgasms. I like that you also looked at looked at me when you said that. What did I say? When you're talking about having an orgasm, you looked over directly at me in my eyes. Yeah, I was like, I'll take two. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Cleavana. You've been working with, with Cleavana. What is Cleavana and how does it work? So uh, Cleavana is a novel way to promote blood flow, nerve growth, and happier and healthier clitoral orgasms. So first of all, I do want to address one thing. All orgasms are clitoral. So I have so many of my patients who look at the cover of Cosmo and they're like, oh, I need to have this super special vaginal orgasm, la-di-da. And I go, well, guess what? They're all the same. Everything <laughs> comes from the clitoris, whether or not it's the tip of the clitoris or the root of the clitoris. So your vaginal orgasm comes from the root of the clitoris and your screaming high-pitched orgasm comes from the tip of the clitoris. 
But the nice thing about Cleavana is it stimulates the entire clitoris through three ways. There's a little bit of a suction, and that was extrapolated from little penises, you know, suction cup, of course. Then we mm. use non-invasive sound waves to stimulate the entire clitoral complex. Everybody thinks it's just that little bit at the end, but what we now learned, and they have just put this into anatomy books in, I think it was 2005 or 2015, but it took just that long before we knew about the complete anatomy of the clitoris. And so we put sound waves to the, the branches of the clitoris, and that is really good. That's the key to Cleavana, and that's what gives you your deeper, your more pleasurable orgasm, those longer, deeper, guttural orgasms, otherwise known as the quote-unquote vaginal orgasm. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about types of orgasms because people always want to know, like, how many are they and how, do, how does it work? And I, I mean, yeah, what I, I tell people is, like, it actually doesn't matter because people can literally have an orgasm from their nipple. <laughs> they can have, some people can, like, you know, they've documented folks who can think themselves off. I can't, but... Um, I mean, thank God, because I'd never get any work done <laughs> if I could just sit here and think myself off. Uh, you're talking about Cleavana stimulating the entire clitoral complex. You have the little head that pokes out, and I have a big rule that you cannot treat that like a doorbell. You don't just press and release, press and release. I know, um, a lot of men um, think that. <laughs> I know, I know. And then the shaft and the hood, and I don't know all the terminology, but you, I think you have the bulbs on the inside, and then I call them legs on the side, but I think you call them a different clinical term. Yeah, the anatomical term is called the cruise clitoris. Okay, so we've got all of that, um, only a small portion externally, and much of it, I, I presume Cleavana works, is it through the labia that you access the rest of the internal components of the clitoris? Exactly, Dr. Jess. So you actually will find immediately behind where the interface between the labia majora and labia minora are is where the bulb and the cruise are, and that's where we use our non-invasive sound waves to stimulate new blood flow to that area, which will also in turn increase nerve sensitivity. Interesting. So so what does the treatment or the process look like? It's pretty simple. So it's four treatments over the course of two weeks, and um, it's three-step process for each turn. So first is a suction cup applied primarily to the clitoral body and glands at the top. Then the sound waves go to the bulb and the cruise, and then there's a cool down to help to kind of diffuse all of that other wonderful positive energy. And that's done four times over the course of two weeks. And it's the nice thing and about it is you can actually go and have sex as soon as the treatment's done, if you so choose. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> right. I'd be like, do it now. Just let's just do it. <laughs> See how it works. So is that that is all a process that occurs in in the doctor's office? Yes, everything occurs in our office. Okay, and then how long does each session take? Each session takes around about seven to 10 minutes each. So you can get in and out of the office relatively quickly and uh, get on with your day or on with some sex. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are other treatments on the market. You know, I've, I've seen treatments, for example, that are internal and treat the walls of the vagina, but Cleavon is different than that? Yes, uh, Cleavon is actually the only one that focuses entirely on the health of the overall clitoris. 
the laser treatments, which we still do offer in our office because we know that these treatments can be additive, that focuses primarily on the health of the vaginal mucosa, the vaginal tube itself, not the clitoris necessarily, although it does give it, like I said, it's an additive and an adjunctive effect. And so in, in kind of layperson's terms, since I'm not a medical practitioner, is this about creating more sensitivity and responsiveness in the clitoral body itself? Exactly. It is just about enhancing what the good Lord already gave you in order to use it to her best potential. So interesting. So uh, alongside Cleavana as an option, uh, I'm curious, you know, what else can we do to improve overall you know, sexual response or well-being? Do you also talk about dietary or lifestyle or other medical approaches that you integrate into your practice? I always tell my patient, you know, are you really going to go to a hairdresser whose hair is looking bad? Are you going to go to a makeup artist who doesn't know what to do with themselves? So you can't expect your body to, you can't expect to live a lifestyle where you're not living as healthy as we really should and we all know that we need to this is the time of covid people's diets have kind of you know kind of hit a little bit of a backslide but we know like we just talked about sexual health and overall health are walking hand in hand so when you are living a clean lifestyle everything does tend to become to kind of fall into place so your sexual health is going to be directly tied to that in addition some of the other things i do recommend are good old-fashioned Kegel exercises. And I have every single one of my general annual exam patients learn how to Kegel. Because not only does that help to elevate your pelvic floor, if you can think about Kegeling during intercourse, that actually brings everything up. That brings the angle of the penis into a different type of an angle, which might actually help to stimulate your G-spot, or it's not not Dr. G-spot anymore. We know that that's where the bulb of the clitoris and the clitoral body actually meet. But we know that by doing those Kegel exercises, that's going to actually help to stimulate that too, resulting in a more pleasurable experience. So yeah, there are a few things that we can do ourselves that are completely free to help our sexual wellness. Yeah, and I think a holistic approach is so important. Like, you know, certainly, you know, procedure like Cleovana can be a great option for some people. Uh, and there needs to be an investment in the overall health. And also, if you if you have a partner, in the relationship, right? No procedure, no, there is just nothing we can do to address, you know, resentment in your relationships. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm so glad you talked about that because the <laughs> orgasm gap is real. So if they're looking at heterosexual couples, about the orgasm gap, meaning who's having orgasm and who isn't, it's only about 52% of women in, or 52 to 60 or so percent of women in heterosexual relationships having orgasms with each sexual encounter. Now, when you look at same-sex couples, of course, if you're looking at lesbian sex, that's going to be a lot higher than if you're talking about partnered male-female sex. And that's about, um, I think it's around 80% for uh, lesbian partners because they are actually paying more attention to their partners. I mean, that's just a theory, but you know, this just came out of a couple journal articles I was researching for this um, podcast. Yeah, and it makes sense too when you think about um, two vulvas having sex. We're doing different things than if a penis is in the room, right? We're doing the things that rub the entire clitoral complex to begin with as opposed to just penetrative sex. And in fact, sometimes we are having penetrative sex and sometimes we're not. And I think it's a good reminder for the hetero folks out there that you don't have to just do it one way. We have all of these options. 
And there are so many different ways to play. And that's one of the other things that I do talk to my patients about is that with male-female partnered sex, it doesn't, we often, so many of my patients, especially, you know, looking at Cosmo, looking at Vogue, looking at all these magazines that are promoting, oh, how to make him run, go wild. And I'm like, no, 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 you should be talking to, there's, there's nothing on the cover of any man's magazine that said how to make her go wild. <laughs> how often does that happen? Not very often. So I tell my patients, don't wait for him to give you an orgasm. You take your orgasm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually the motto I live by. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, whatever works. Listen, I, I, I'm just, I'm just here. You're just I'm here just, for the ride. I, I wanted to say I'm just here for the ride, but. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, before I let you go, um, if you could just wave a wand and change one thing about sexual wellness or pleasure, what would it be? Knowledge. I know that's a big, big topic. I have patients who are coming here in their 50s and they've yet to have an orgasm. And that was just due to lack of knowledge about their sexual selves and again the thing i said they were waiting on the man to do something amazing to get them off and i say that would be the thing and that's why i'm here talking to you and this is why i talk about it to every single one of my patients about understanding your clitoral complex and that it's there's so much more to it than meets the eye and that your potential for orgasm is almost unlimited so take it I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for answering our questions today. And folks will certainly be following along with, with your work. So thanks for being here. All right, Dr. Jess. It was such a pleasure and hope to be on again soon. Anytime. Love to have you back and really teach us about, about fibroids because I have pages of questions. Um, Excellent. Let's do it. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dr. Nicole E. Williams. I learned a lot. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. But my problem is I have so many more questions. <laughs> so thanks to you, babe. Thanks to you for listening. And of course, thanks to Cleavana. You can check them out, cleavana.com or give them a call with any questions, 1-888-583-5134. Wherever you're at, have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.